Okay, how many of you as students, and again, this could be elementary school, middle school, high school, and beyond. If you're a student, I got a question for you. If you started school recently, this week, last week, something like that, how many of you, and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, how many of you had a teacher who sort of started the class with, these are my expectations for how to be successful in class this year? How many of you had that? Yep. Where the teacher got together and maybe there was like a class contract or something where you all agreed together or you had a syllabus where the professor stood up and said, if you want to be successful in class, these are the things you need to do. How many of you had that? Yeah, that's pretty common because that's what teachers like to do. It's a helpful teaching strategy to sort of say, okay, look, let's make sure that expectations are correct. And the teacher's job, a good teacher's job is to make a student successful. Good teachers don't teach because they like to hear themselves talk. Good teachers want students to understand. They want them to get it, to put it into practice. Maybe you had a professor or a teacher that said, this year, we're going to try to show you how the things we are talking about are useful in life. That's because, again, teachers want us to do something with the information that we're receiving. They're not there simply to pass on information. They want us to grow and to change and develop and to become uh, the people that we're supposed to be. Well, so it is with Jesus. We would say Jesus is the greatest teacher who ever lived on the earth. Now, his official title is the Lord Jesus Christ. But what he's often referred to in the Gospels is he's referred to as teacher. And as a great teacher, Jesus gives to us this teaching we've been looking at all summer called the Sermon on the Mount. It comes in the Gospel of Matthew, and it's probably the most, well, it, probably, it is the most famous teaching ever given in human history. And it's not surprising that Jesus is not giving the teaching because he wants to hear himself talk. Jesus is giving us this teaching because he wants to bless us. He wants us to do something with it. And so Jesus gives us what you might call a kind of classroom contract or a discussion where the professor gets up and says, here's what you should expect or here's how to be successful in this class. And Jesus has for us in the Sermon on the Mount, now it's at the end and not at the beginning, he has for us an explanation for how you and I can best endure the trials and troubles of this life and best experience the blessings that God has for us. And so we want to look at that. And again, you can think of us as being in a classroom and the teacher getting up and saying, here's how to be successful in the class of life today. So let me invite you to take a Bible. If you didn't bring one, there should be one in the rack in front of you. In these church Bibles, you turn to page 788. And if you have your own Bible, that's Matthew chapter 7. So page 788. And the reason we provide these Bibles is we think this is the Word of God. And we want you to see it and to follow along with it, to read it, to hear it. We think it changes people's lives through the Spirit. And so we're asking, turn with us to Matthew chapter 7, page 788. And we're going to be looking at the last portion of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. Anne read that to us earlier. It's about a foolish person who builds his house on the sand. 
and a wise person who builds his house on the rock. And Jesus is comparing these sort of two people. And we want to think about his teaching this morning. As we do, I want you to notice in verse 24 of chapter 7, Jesus talks about the wise man who builds his house on the rock. And then it says in verse 25, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew. And so Jesus is talking here using metaphors and parables in this idea, but when he talks about wind and rain, he's talking about the struggles and trials and difficulties of life. If your parents are going through a divorce, if you lost a job, if a loved one's passed away, if you've gotten a difficult health diagnosis, if you're going through an injury in the middle of a sports season, if you didn't get the part in the drama that you were hoping for, if you're experiencing financial trouble, if you've been through betrayal from a friend, if you've experienced loneliness, if you're going through a season of depression, if you struggle with anxiety, whatever you and I could think of when we think of difficulties and trouble in life, that's what Jesus means when he's talking about the wind and the rain. And what I want you to notice from this passage is the man who builds his house on the rock, he experiences wind, streams, and rain. But then the person who builds their house on the sand, verse 26, verse 27 says, the same thing happens to them. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And the idea here is that every human goes through difficulty. You might think that Jesus' is teaching is, hey, if you build your house on the rock, everything's going to go smoothly. That's not what he says. He says everybody, whether you're foolish or wise, young, old, rich, poor, it doesn't matter. Every human being will experience difficulty in this life. Everybody has rain that comes. It's again, it's like we're in the classroom. And the teacher stand up and stands up and says, everybody in this class is going through the same material. We're all going to cover the same thing this year in class. Not certain students are going to do one thing and certain students do another. Every person who is a human being will experience storms and trouble in life. Sometimes it's persecution. Sometimes it's suffering. Sometimes it's just difficulty. Sometimes it's just life is hard now again I feel like a teacher at the beginning of the year and you can groan if you want to I got some more bad news for you which is some of these things that we're going to go through that we might think about te like tests some of these are going to be pop exams meaning no warning that they're coming you see when Jesus gives this teaching he's not standing in Michigan He's standing in Israel when he's doing it. And when he talks about rock and sand, it has slightly different connotations in Israel than it does in Michigan. In Israel, everything is rock. You go there, when I first went there, I thought it would be sort of like the Sahara Desert. You know, you hear about desert lots. No, not, not much sand. It's rock everywhere. It's all rock. And there's no things like we have in Michigan, no sort of sand dunes or sandy soil. In Israel, you can only find sand in two places. One is there is some sand around the Dead Sea, sort of on the beaches, sort of around the Dead Sea. 
I don't think that's the sand Jesus has in mind when he's talking about this. Because he says, verse 27, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house built on the sand, and it fell with a great crash. He doesn't say the waves lapped up on the shore and the sand slowly eroded away and then the, the house fell. So this is different than sort of a cottage on Lake Michigan where the lake begins to encroach on the cottage and you're worried about erosion. That's not what he's talking about here. There's a second place in Israel you can find sand. You don't find it on the ground. It's all rock. But there is a second place you can find sand in Israel and that's in what's known as a wadi. Now we don't have wadis in Michigan uh, but there's lots and lots of them in Israel and what a wadi is is a ravine or a crevice or a valley that is dry most of the year except when it rains. Because the ground is so hard and so rocky, when it rains, it creates flash floods. The water doesn't soak into the ground. It sort of runs along the rocky valleys, and so it finds its way uh, to low ground, and it creates what's known as wadis which means that in certain parts of Israel it could be raining. So for example, in Jerusalem, which is a higher elevation, rains come down and the rains hit the ground and there's rock and so the water starts running down all of these wadis away from Jerusalem. Miles and miles they'll go racing in these flash floods, which means you can be in a place in Israel where it is sunny and bright and all of a sudden out of nowhere comes a flash flood it leaves behind sand, which is why there are sand in the wadis. This is what I think Jesus is talking about. That's why he says the person who is foolish enough to build their house in the ravine, the person who's foolish enough to put their house down where the water is going to run, at some point the rain is going to come and it's not going to slowly erode. It's going to come with crashing force and that's why the house falls down with a great crash. And the bad news is, is that often trouble in our lives comes without any warning. We had no idea that a tornado was going to touch down here last week. There's not usually any warning that there's going to be a shooter in our kids' school. There's no warning necessarily that the stock market is going to crash. Sometimes you come back from the doctor and you're expecting a clean report and all of a sudden without warning, uh, you've got cancer to deal with. Often the troubles and tests and difficulties that come in our life, there is no warning. That's what Jesus is talking about. Every single one of us is going to go through trouble and difficulty. And the bad news is that sometimes there's not going to be any warning. Skies will look bright and sunny, and all of a sudden, here comes a flash flood racing towards us. I should also say that Jesus is talking a lot here about testing, but that's not really the ultimate goal. The goal is, is the Sermon on the Mount begins with blessing. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Jesus wants us to experience blessing. Now, why is he talking about testing? Well, he's doing it at the end, but if you think about it, when wind and rain come, if they don't knock over your house, what do they end up doing? Well, they cause things to grow. Wind and rain can be good. Now, if it washes away your house, that's no good. 
But if you endure the test, the blessing is, is on the other side of the test comes good things. The same is true for tests that we go through in school. Yes, if you fail the test, that's not great. But if you pass the test, well, then you have the joy of passing the test and the growth that you've experienced in knowledge. The same is true for tests we go through in life. Whatever the difficulty that you may be experiencing, if that difficulty ends up breaking you, that's no good. But if you endure it, what happens on the other side is God uses those difficulties to cause growth. He uses those difficulties. So Jesus is talking here about tests, but that's not the goal. The goal is not the test. The goal is to make sure that our lives survive the test so that we experience the blessing. The purpose of the Sermon on the Mount is to bless us. And Jesus says, in order for it to be a blessing, you've got to endure the tests that are coming. Well, this raises the all-important question then. What is it that we need to do to pass the tests? They're coming for everybody. We're all going to experience them. There's no way to simply live a life that is just full of blessing upon blessing. How do we pass the test? And again, like the teacher standing up saying, this is what's coming this year. There's going to be tests. They're going to be hard. But if you do what I say, you're going to be just fine. So what is it that Jesus is telling us that will enable us to survive the difficulties of life and to experience the blessings? Well, listen to what he says, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now compare that to what he says in verse 26. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. So what's the difference between the wise and the foolish? What's the difference between the person who builds their house on the rock and the person who builds their house on the sand? Well, it's not hearing because everybody hears. Whoever hears these words of mine, both the wise and the foolish are hearing the words of Jesus. So we're not talking this morning about people who may live in an area where they've never heard of Jesus or haven't heard any of Jesus' teaching. That's an important topic, but it's a different sermon. We're talking about you and I today. We're hearing the words of Jesus. Again, it's like the teacher standing up in front of the class. She is talking to everybody in the class. Whoever hears what I teach, well, everybody in the class is going to hear that. So what's the difference? Who puts them into practice? What essentially the teacher is saying is some of you in class this morning are going to hear what's said, and you're going to go home and not do any homework. And what's going to happen? You're going to fail the test. Some of you in class today are going to take seriously that there are tests coming. And you're going to go home and do your homework. And you're going to be just fine. So what is the homework Jesus is talking about? Well, here we have to be very careful. Because you can read this passage in such a way that you get the wrong idea of what the homework is. Now, because Jesus is talking about what you might call a natural disaster, 
I went to FEMA's website, FEMA's the Federal Emergency Management Agency for the country, to kind of look up what should you do in the face of the possibility of natural disasters or disasters. And so on FEMA's website, they list a number of things that they want you and I to be prepared for. This is directly from their website. This is the list of things that we should be ready for. Active shooter, avalanche, cyber attack, earthquake, extreme heat, financial unpreparedness, flood, landslide, nuclear explosion, pandemics, power outage, thunderstorm, lightning, hail, <clears throat> tornado, tsunami, volcano, wildfire, and winter storm. And what they recommend is they recommend that you and I have a preparedness plan for each of these events. Now, they would say that some of them are less likely for us than others. We've got to figure out which ones are more likely. But the plan is figure out what's possibly coming and be prepared for it. Make sure your house is up to code. Make sure that you've got a readiness plan for each of these things. And to tell you what, I looked at that website and guess what? It felt super overwhelming. Like, I got to have a plan for a nuclear explosion? <laughs> I had not thought I needed a plan for nuclear explosion. But then I realized, like, this is just the list that they have. And again, they're kind of talking about, like, community stuff. Then I started just to myself adding my own list of the possible disasters that we might have to be prepared for. This is my list, and there's a lot more. Identity theft, health crisis, unexpected rent increase, car accident, a spouse committing adultery, a kidnapping, false accusation, an unplanned pregnancy, major repairs, job loss, mental health crisis, persecution, demonization, theft. And I started thinking, if I got to have a prepared, a plan for each of these things, I'm going to spend all my days trying to think about all the stuff that can go wrong. And the danger is, is we might think that that's what Jesus is saying to us. That he's saying, hey, look, I gave you a Bible. There's 66 books in it. You better know everything in this, and you better do everything in it. And if you know everything in this book and do everything in this book, then any disaster that comes, you're going to be ready for it. We might think that's what he's saying, but what kind of teacher does that? I mean, you ever a math teacher stand up and say, you're responsible for all known mathematical things in universe? <laughs> well, that wouldn't be very good. Or an English teacher to say, you are responsible for every book ever written. Or a science teacher to say, you are responsible to know everything about science. That's not what teachers do, not kind teachers. What do kind teachers do? They say, well, this is, there's too much material. So you just have to learn the things I'm going to teach you. You have to just prepare for the things that I'm going to tell you. Trust me, I will help get you through this material. That's actually what Jesus is saying here. You see, what I would call this model, the FEMA model, is the knowledge and preparedness model. And it's the idea that you better be prepared for whatever's coming. You better have your plans. You better think through every eventuality, anything that could go wrong, come up with a plan and be ready. That is a model, but that's not what Jesus is saying. He's offering a different model, which I would call the daily obedience model. And in the daily obedience model, look at what Jesus says. See verse 24? Therefore, everyone who hears, and you can underline that word, you can circle that word, you can make a mental note of that word, hears 
and then these words of mine, and then puts them into practice. You can underline that, circle that, make a mental note of that. Hears and puts into practice, that's a lot of English words, but in Greek it's just two words, and they're two verbs. And again, we're talking about school stuff, so stick with me as I get slightly grammatical. They are both in the present tense, and they have what we would say is ongoing aspect, which means what Jesus is saying is, those who every day hear what I'm saying and do what I'm telling them that day, those are the people who are safe when the storms come. This is not about somebody knowing everything. This is about the person knowing the thing that Jesus is saying. It's not about somebody who is doing everything in the Bible. It's the person who is doing the thing that Jesus is telling them to do right then. Again, it's like the teacher saying, you don't have to worry about what's coming in the spring semester. We'll get ready for that in the time. You don't have to worry about the final exam. Just learn the material that I'm giving you to learn now, and you'll be just fine when the tests come. That's what Jesus is saying. That's why this summer, as we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, we took this sort of visual idea and said, hey, if God's been speaking to you and you want to respond, take a ribbon and tie it out to the artistic things we've got in the crosswalk as a symbol of the fact that you are responding to Jesus. We didn't say, well, if God's ever spoken to you, if he said something today, respond to that. A couple of weeks ago, I asked you, Hey, would you consider fasting and praying for this week and asking God to do something in regards to that fasting and praying? If that week you listened and obey, that's all you were supposed to do. Last week I talked about considering uh, joining Alpha or learning something more about this program, or if you're not serving at the church, to stop in and get involved in serving. If you heard that thing that week and did something with it, that's what Jesus is talking about. You see, the idea that you and I would be responsible for everything in this book and doing everything in it, well, that's overwhelming. And Jesus is reminding us, we don't divorce the textbook from the teacher. The textbook is something the teacher uses to help us learn the material. And Jesus says, who is going to be successful when the storms of life come? It's not the person who's prepared for any eventuality. It's the person who listening to the teacher says, what's my assignment today? And if you're a person who does your assignment day in and day out, when the storms come, you're going to be just fine. Not just the weekly sermons, but anything you feel God prompting in your heart to do, anything you feel reasonably certain that God might want you to do, if you cultivate the habit of doing the thing you think God's telling you to do, when the storm comes, you're going to be just fine. Take COVID, for example. FEMA has a preparedness plan for pandemics, but I can tell you, having lived through COVID, nobody was prepared. COVID felt like a flash flood. The skies were sunny, the sun was shining, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, water and rain and storm came racing towards us. And if you think about us as sort of a church, there are lots of churches who, when that water came, it was a crushing experience. And all of a sudden, not a slow erosion, all of a sudden, just churches imploded. 
people fought with one another. People couldn't get along, and sadly, the churches were washed away. That didn't happen at Calvary. Not because we were better prepared than somebody else. We were not prepared at all. Why didn't, it was hard, it was very difficult. I would not want to go through it again. Why didn't it wash us away? Because before then, God had been training us to obey. So before that, he asked us to do a building project. So we obeyed. He asked us to build a prayer garden. So we obeyed. He asked us to kind of change around how elders and deacons uh, interacted. So we obeyed. He asked us to have women deacons. So we tried to obey. He asked us to care for refugees. So we tried to obey. He asked us to deal with racial issues. So we tried to obey. At each step, we tried to do the thing that God was telling us to do. Not perfectly, but we simply tried to listen and obey. And so when COVID happened, guess what we did? We just tried to listen and obey. And so in the middle of the confusion, we got together and prayed. And we're like, God, are we supposed to stop meeting? And we felt like he said for a season, uh, have people meet, use online, do those sorts of things. So we tried to obey. What about masks? We felt like he said for a season, we want you to wear masks and have social distancing. And so we tried to obey. At some point, the government said, here's some money so you don't have to lay people off. Are we supposed to take that money? We felt like he said, yes. So we tried to obey. At some point, it was time to get back together again. And so we listened and we prayed. And at one point, the health department was like, hey, we think you should stop meeting. When we prayed that time, the Lord was like, no, I want you to keep meeting. So we tried to obey. How did we get through? It's not because we were experts in pandemics. We just did exactly what Jesus said. If you trust me, if you do what I say to do, when the storm comes, I will tell you what to do in that moment. And if you're the kind of person who when you're told you need to be baptized, you actually get baptized. When you're told you need to sort of join a community, you choose to join a community. When God prompts in your heart that you need to go and talk to that person, you go and talk to that person. That's what Jesus is saying will make you successful. That's the homework. And so I say to our, the whole class, me as well, because he's the teacher, and I'm a student along with all of you. Some of us are going to sit in the class today, and we're going to go out and think, oh, that test is not going to be that bad. It will be that bad. And some of us will sit in the class today and hear the teacher saying, trust me, do the homework I give you each day, each week, and you're going to be just fine. Some of us are going to go home and start doing the homework. And Jesus says, the difference is the wise person goes and does their homework. And when the test comes, it's hard and it's difficult, but they get through it. And on the other side is blessing. And the foolish person says, ah, I'll think about that later, goes home and does nothing. And when the test comes, it's devastating. 